Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. For a while now, Dr. Matthew Bunsen and I have been discussing the synodal way. Uh, it's originally was originally presented as a time of listening to the people of God, uh, again, initiated by the German bishops. And it turns out that in listening to the people of God, and if you're wondering who actually represents the people of God, you put your finger on one of the many problems in this synodal way, who actually gets to speak uh, for the people of God. But uh, supposedly, in listening to the people of God, the German bishops decided that there should be a vote on some significant matters, such as the suitability of women for the ministerial priesthood, uh, the approving of uh, homosexual unions, and this week they are voting. Now, again, if you're wondering if Catholics are supposed to vote on matters of faith and morals, well, you again have put your finger on the principal problem with this synodal way. The German synodal way has proposed a resolution calling for a change in the Church's approach to sexual ethics, including homosexuality. A two-thirds majority vote was needed to pass the resolution, They were unable to get the two-thirds vote. They got, though, 61% of the vote, and some of the leading bishops in Germany are expressing their disappointment that they didn't get the two-thirds vote. I don't know, I guess, to change the doctrine. Let's talk with Dr. Matthew Bunsen about this. He's been examining it carefully. He's executive editor and Washington bureau chief for EWTN News and a senior fellow at the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. Matthew, good to have you again. Yeah, I'm very happy to be here, although once again, the, the Germans uh, managed to uh, dominate the headlines. Yeah. Now, I want to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm understanding this. Um, if they had gotten a two-thirds vote on this changing of sex, teachings on sexuality, was that expected— to be binding on the Catholics of Germany? Well, this goes back to the one of the most important questions uh, that has been asked and answered, although the Germans don't seem to be accepting the answer. Uh, from the very beginning of this process, it's, it's been interesting on two fronts. The, the first is the fact that if we go back several years now, two and a half years to some of their initial discussions mm-hmm. and then their first vote, what did they do? They basically democratized authority and essentially said that uh, going forward, a majority vote uh, would uh, decide key elements such as Catholic teaching. And that's certainly their desire. And that's been how the synod here, the synodal path, has functioned. So they essentially gave to themselves the authority, the self-imposed authority, uh, to change church, church teaching based on a Democratic majority vote. That's important because here we are now uh, with this next phase uh, of where they're actually voting on these. Yeah. Things. And uh, they have said from the beginning that they expect that whatever the synodal way decides will be binding on the church. Now, the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith and, the, and other uh, now dicastric the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith. Um, and other departments of the Vatican, other dicasteries have said, no, that that simply doesn't work that way, that it cannot be binding in, in exactly the same way that uh, Episcopal conferences do not have the authority, for example, to impose themselves on every diocese. Right, right. So the synodal way is going 
beyond even the authority such as it is, limited in scope as it is, of Episcopal conferences. Yeah. Now, when you factor in that they're voting on these things, but then also it is expected to vote that there will be a permanent synodal assembly, yeah. you're creating a parliament wow. uh, in the German Catholic Church wow. going forward. Yeah, again, and this has no place in the divine constitution of the Church. You uh, just <laughs> it, it, it would be a terrible innovation in uh, a, a distortion of the church um, to have a, a, an authoritative uh, synodal council like this. Uh, I, what what I'm, I'm baffled by is they almost got the two-thirds vote uh, yesterday. And I'm, I'm just curious to know w- what they would have done had they gotten it. I mean, would would they begin to publish new materials for catechesis? It seems so, you know, as someone who came, returned to the Catholic Church in his 40s, and it's because I was convinced that the Catholic Church was a faithful guardian of the deposit of faith and what has been revealed by God through divine revelation. The idea that um, Catholic, that, that faith, Doctrines of faith and morals are open to vote. That's that is no longer the Catholic Church. That's something else. That's right. <laughs> well, we we know what we can call it. Maybe either the mainline Protestant churches, yeah. or the Lutheran Church, or take your pick. And I mean, even there, the, even there, they don't like. Even there, they still maintain a principle of you're bound by divine revelation. Uh, you, you know, however much they may you know reinterpret things. Right, and, and and as we have just seen in recent weeks with the, the Anglicans, uh, the worldwide Anglican communion itself is now broken. Yeah. It is irretrievably yeah. shattered yes, that's right. uh, over many of the very same issues that the Germans uh, in this synodal path want to introduce into the Church. So this, this idea, is, as someone once said, that you know, Catholicism, the Christianity works every time it's tried. Well, they don't even want to try. <laughs> I noticed that in the reporting here, we've got... Um, uh, Cardinal Marx, um, Bishop, Beitz, uh, Bishop George Beitzing. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see, there are others too. Who, the president of the German Episcopal Conference. Just and he's very. The audience may not be familiar with who this person is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, these are these are big movers and shakers in German Catholicism, and uh, I, I'm deliberately using kind of political language here. Um, yes. It, he, Bishop Weitzing says he expressed personal disappointment, and Cardinal Marx also said that he was, I don't know, deeply disappointed or something like that. In other words, these men have, are already on record as denying the teaching of the church in some of these areas. And I, again, you have right. to wonder what they've been, there's been fraternal correction tried, right? Uh, the Nordic mm-hmm. bishops have written, the Polish bishops have written. Uh, so I, where do we go from here? Well, a couple things. The first is that the, this ballot, uh, as it was conducted, was a secret ballot. So in other words, uh, uh, the bishops themselves got to vote, and uh, it's a depressing minority, uh, they almost got to this uh, two-thirds majority, but yeah. there were sufficient numbers of bishops who felt they had cover now under a secret ballot uh, to 
of all things, be faithful to the teachings of the church and say this document should not be going forward. They are now being attacked. Uh, there are very clear efforts, from what I'm hearing, uh, to try to root out and discover who voted what and then yeah. to cancel them uh, or to pressure them again. Right. Uh, I, I'm going to assume that we have not seen the end of this document. But you also asked something really important uh, a minute ago, and that was what do they plan to do with this document? Now, I don't think this is a dead document by any means. It's very clear that uh, Bishop Batesing and others have said, well, no, we're, we're going to include this document, even if it wasn't necessarily approved. Uh, they plan to bring it to Rome with them uh, for two things. The Adlimina visit, which is the, the five-year, technically five-year visit of bishops to Rome to meet with the Pope. And they plan to, to present all of these documents uh, as a demonstration of their version of synodality. But the other most important aspect of this is they need these documents in order to try to inject this toxin into the very bloodstream of the Synod of Bishops to be held a year from now, basically, uh, the Synod on Synodality in Rome. And that, I think, has been their intent all along. You and I have talked about mm -hmm. that. Their yeah. intent is to get this on the agenda and to include these documents and then to try to compel discussion of these points. Yeah. Um, do we know when they were composing this synod and they were listening to the people of God, do we have any idea who spoke for the people of God? Who are the lay people that are represented in this process? Where do they come from? Who gets to choose them? Well, it's, yeah, it's been very clear from the beginning that uh, the decision by this group, this cabal, uh, not to be uncharitable, but I mean, it, it's this group of bishops, uh, yeah. starting with Cardinal Reinhard Marx and uh, Bishop Georg Batesing and others, uh, this working with the Committee uh, of Lay Catholics, uh, the Central Committee of German Catholics, to use the full title, uh, it's called the ZDK in, in German, um, which also has a co-presidency for this synodal way. In this case, it's Ermischdetter Karp, uh, who is to put it bluntly, a, a radical mm -hmm. uh, Catholic who openly dissents from the teachings of the Church. This was, from the very beginning, a cherry-picked, very carefully selected body of people. Uh, you have the bishops, but then you also have the, the members of the Central Committee of German Catholics who are already on record and were already on record in uh, dissenting openly from the teachings of the Church in a variety of ways. So this is what we have always known was happening, and we're simply seeing now as it unfolds in these series of votes. But the other important thing is, and I would encourage everyone to take a look at uh, uh, A.C. Vimmer's uh, piece on this at the CatholicNewsAgency.com, because there's a helpful link uh, to the very document that they voted on uh, over the last few days. And there's one line from this that uh, really jumped out at me and that it has to do with uh, contrasting uh, experiences in the Church's sexual teaching. And they admit that there are many Catholics who understand and, and live successfully uh, the, the Church's sexual teaching. But then they add that too many faithful and couples, on the other hand, feel that there is an irreparable disconnect between the interpretations and norms of the Church's sexual teaching on the one hand and their own sexual experiences on the other. And then they go into this long laundry list of of trying to rationalize right. uh, the idea of gender identities beyond the binary nature yes. and all of this, but then this they, is... they add that 
the signs yeah. of the times. That... The signs of the times. Yeah. And basically, that's simply because people are now unwilling, even though they recognize that this can be lived successfully, that, this, that the actual embrace of church teaching can, in their own words, lead to joyful, liberating relationships and can be lived successfully. Too many, they say, aren't willing to, is yeah. what they're basically saying, and therefore everything has to change. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's like... Moses comes down with the Ten Commandments and he says, let's take a vote on this, you know. And the children, well, right. of, children of Israel say, you know, there are a few, it's not bad, but there are a few of those items we'd, we'd rather modify. Uh, can we Can we uh, go back to the drawing board and uh, re, redraft those documents, Moses? Uh, yeah, and if you, you don't do it, we're Let, going... Let's form a committee. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't, we'll go back to Egypt. How about that? I... Well, I mean, and, and the problem, you, you said something really important there, Al, and that is that what they are proposing is not going to be liberating. It is leading uh, yep. the, the chosen people back to Egypt and enslavement. It's enslavement to the dictatorship of relativism, the signs of the times, the whims and caprices of modern culture. Yeah. I, it's amazing that uh, this is happening and I can't help but think that the reason it's happening is because the German church is supported by uh, taxes um, collected by, uh, I assume, collected by the government. But it's a wealthy church, right? So they have the leisure um, to play around with doctrine like this. Well, it's a church that has billions of euros at its disposal. Yeah. And uh, we have seen that the, the massive expenditures on their part in places like the Amazonian Senate and elsewhere. So in some ways, they're de-incentivized uh, to adhere to church teaching because they know that they have this safety net. Uh, but I think it's, it's even more than that. I think we are seeing the playing out of a kind of hubris, uh, theologically, spiritually, in Germany. And uh, I'm very concerned, as many, many people are around the world, as to where this is heading, yeah. especially as we look at these preparatory documents for the, uh, the Synod itself next year. Yeah. Uh, do we have—are the preparatory documents uh, available now? Uh, not yet. Yeah, uh, okay. So we're still—we're now in the continental phase, yeah. and uh, we'll be looking at those. The Instrumentum Laboris, as it's called, next year. Next year. Okay, very good. Matthew, thanks again. It's always good talking with you, even though this is a very frustrating topic. Thanks. <laughs> Great to be with you. God bless. Dr. Matthew Bunsen, looking at this vote in Germany, uh, the fruit of the Synodal Way. I'm Al Cresta.